At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it! We time-traveled to yesterday! Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hello, Island friends. Let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helped keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slate. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, I'm Tim Eccles. I'm vice chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission. My co-host, Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? Good. Good morning, Tim. Casey, we talk trash. I can't say trash talk, but we talk trash. I thought John Noel wasn't on the show anymore. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, John, we're remembering you out there fondly. Uh, but, Casey, we do talk composting and, and recycling and yep. reusing because... It is a part of sustainability. Absolutely, yeah. yeah we've, we've talked on the show before, kind of this idea of a closed-loop system or at least getting value out of these things, right, rather than putting them in a landfill or uh, waters or things like that. So, yes. yeah. Well, we've got two experts sitting here. we got one uh, gobbling gobbling up a meal that, uh, that we got him, uh, one of our award winners for sustainability uh, for an individual, Andrew Lane. You're still with us over there, uh, Andrew? He's shaking his head. Uh, gobble. Yeah. So I'll have him turn his mic over there and he can he can chat. And then uh, joining us, Suki Jansen. She's uh, from athens Clark County. She's a uh, county employee, a UGA grad, a middle grade science teacher. But more importantly, uh, we're going to talk today about uh, all that her department does, uh, you know, in collection, and what do you do with all this stuff, and is there some value to some of it? Welcome to the studio. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so great, great to have you in as we talk about this. What, what, uh, you know, maybe for our audience, tell us a little bit about how many. I mean, Athens Clark is the smallest county in Georgia, but how many employees does it take to pick up everybody's stuff in this little tiny county? For us, I love talking trash, by the way. Um, For (laughs) us in Athens Clark County, we have, in our department, we have 70 folks, but that's not just collecting, that's disposal, composting, recycling, et cetera. And then we have several uh, other private haulers. So I would say there's probably a hundred and some folks um, that are responsible for picking up trash, recycling, and or compost around Athens Clark County. Has trash collection evolved through the years? Because in some ways, I feel like we've gone backwards. I feel like when these refuse haulers basically told counties we're not going to take glass anymore, I felt like we were going backwards. Do you feel like things have moved forward or are we going backwards? Oh, I think we take steps forward and backwards all the time, seemingly, in, in the waste realm. I will say 
in some cases, employee safety, we've taken great leaps forward. Uh, automated trucks have improved uh, the safety of employees when they don't have to get in and out of the truck, hang on the back in all weather. Uh, collecting trash, collectors that hang on the back of the trucks are always in the top five or six most dangerous jobs in the United States. I'm mm-hmm. going to repeat that one more time because people don't believe me. N- Police and fire aren't even in the top five. Oh, my. Solid waste collectors always for the last, geez, 10 years, they have been position five and six on the list of most dangerous jobs. So I think in actual collecting of material, whether it's recycling, compost, or trash, we have improved employee safety, and then we have created jobs that are more technical, thus better paying. And so they are operating equipment that's more technical with joysticks and that they have to have good hand-eye coordination. Mm -hmm. And harder problem solving or better problem solving skills so i think that is one but to your glass point is we can take glass we have there's a lot of misinformation out there there are in markets for glass um and certain counties have retained glass like athens we still are taking glass um, but it is definitely a collection issue katie we've had the clean and beautiful folks on before we've talked about composting and recycling with people all over the u.s on our on our show and I remember you and I just sitting on your front porch in Decatur and talking with a clean and beautiful person yeah. about the the challenge of motivating people to want to do something more than just throwing it away. Yeah, well, and, and Suki, I'd be really interested to get your take on this because I, I understand one of the big challenges with recycling is, you know, people putting things in their recycling that can't be recycled or having other contaminants in there. Um, and, you know, folks can't see you right now, but you're like, oh, yeah, that's a big issue. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, why is that a challenge and what do people need to do to make sure that the things that they put out to be recycled actually can get recycled? Contamination is, I, in my opinion, the biggest threat to recycling, and it comes from two re- misinformation. People, like anything, I think, in government, always go to your local government or local hauler for information, because if you read only material from nationwide material, recycling is very different from Decatur to Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, step one, always read your local rules so you understand what can and can't and be recycled. And those change over time too, change. right? They yeah. change, change regionally, citywide. They're processing issues. There are financial issues. Um, so that's one reason people just assume that everything can be recycled or a lot of things can be recycled everywhere in the U.S. So mm-hmm. always check local. Second thing is we have a lot of people that wish things could be recycled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they want to put everything possible in the bin um, and they're really just hurting the process so i would say those two just confusion recycling is super confusing we don't have any standards across the united states which makes it so always check with local and then we don't need wish recyclers wish cyclers is what we call them um, people that wish something was recycled and place it in there they're doing more harm than good and then the last category of folks are just kind of lazy folks or you know that aren't paying close attention and just chucking trash and recycling so, so let me ask you two follow-up questions so one given that things are changing all the time how do you here in Athens-Clark County communicate to the residents uh, around what they can and can't recycle? And then the other uh, piece is, like, for you as someone who has to deal with all of that, right, you know, the contamination, the things that might not be able to be recycled, what, what does that 
mean for you on the back end? But let's start with the communication. How do you tell people what can and can't be recycled? It's seemingly we do it all the time. Um, we have Keep Athens Clark County Beautiful within our department as well as a recycling division. And their primary job is to educate people on proper waste handling, including recycling and composting. So in Athens, we can be edgier than other places in the state, as, <laughs> as can Decatur. So we have to capture the attention because there are super creative folks in Athens. Mm-hmm. So actually trying to figure out super creative ways to reach all of our demographics, which are also hard in Athens because we've got a lot of transient population. We have right, a very students. population and I hate to say all these demographics you reach them a little differently so we have to be very diverse in our communication more so than other communities and then lastly if the contamination gets to it the implications are that it can degrade material Um, we can lose money on the revenue we would make from some of the streams we can actually if it's food contamination we can ruin whole loads of material and that that would have to be sent to the landfill at a cost and we're making no revenue off of it Um, and so and then when those start things start to happen then you know there are great financial implications recycling can make some money has it made enough money to cover no but but that's some of the other it's so financially and then I think it's a trust issue too they see us taking those recyclables out to a landfill and they don't know that that food contaminated it people then get misinformation oh look they're just throwing it away anyway Mm -hmm. and so there's a trust issue there as well sounds like we have to wash the trash, <laughs> uh, wash the recycling to make it good enough to be able to. I mean, is that is that true? It doesn't have to be pristine, um, but certainly it helps making sure it's good rinse out or at least use that spatula if it's cheese or something that sticks to the sides. I will say metals aren't as picky, aluminum, steel products, um, but plastics really should. And then if you leave too much material in, because we don't accept material in like dual streams, meaning paper and bottles and cans. Anytime you're mixing material, that food can contaminate paper. And that's what hurts. Single stream was great for employee safety on these trucks, like I spoke to a second ago, but it was not good for recycling processing. Single stream allowed people to wish cycle. They allowed people to, folks that weren't cleaning their recyclables, that food that was left in it wasn't a big deal if it was just bottles and cans together. Once you start mixing the paper in, food became a a really critical issue to get out because it was ruining paper So, So single stream reduced the overall amount that could be recycled because in the transportation process, everything got contaminated a little more, right? It did. It did. And it, it gave us less. People stopped critically thinking about recycling, too. Oh, just throw it all in a bin. That means the single stream, you know, we can put it all in one bin. So there was definitely cost savings and safety savings for the drivers on single stream side. But processing, education, in markets, a single stream really hurt all that. The processing end of it, the education end of it, and the actual uh, in markets. Material started to degrade. Well, so let me let me let me ask Andrew to uh, to jump in here. I haven't I had him say a word in this segment. Andrew, we're talking about the the hazards of single stream recycling. I mean, you went to ASU. You you have that master's degree out there in sustainable solutions. I mean, do we just? I mean, if you could wave a magic wand, would you get rid of all single stream recycling? Yes, I would take Suki's word. And I've been around recycling enough to know that single stream is just a big fat mess. When different industries suddenly decide, like China, that we don't want anymore, so... 
go pound sand. Then you're left with, but they've been doing it for five years. Our whole city has been doing it for five years. So now what? And then on contamination, Suki told me the story. She probably doesn't, I don't know, maybe she does want me to tell it um, from my voice. That she told me at one point, someone in athens Clark County decided to put a dead deer in a recycled dumpster, thinking, I suppose, that, well, they can recycle it. Now, that should have gone to the compost. It had been fine, probably in the windrow, if you buried it. It would have been fine. But uh, it contaminated in the summertime, I might add. And that contaminated and ruined the whole load, because who wants to really fish through that kind of stuff? Yeah. Wow. When we come back, more conversation with Suki Jansen of athens Clark County about recycling the best the worst Uh, can you do glass what do those numbers mean on the bottom of all this plastic and do i how do i set it up in my house do i need a separate can and you know in the house and then there's a lot of questions about it so stick around we're going to be back with suki jansen in just a minute i'm tim eccles you're listening to energy matters hey this is tim eccles you want to make your car boat jet ski look really cool use my friends at gym wrap that's g-e-m wrap just go to facebook and put in gym wraps and you'll see what i'm talking about Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AmLaw 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters. Uh, studio full of folks today. Logan uh, Booker, our producer, of course, and uh, we've got Casey Boyce, my co-host from Decatur. Casey, how's it going? Good. Yeah. Got Suki Jansen from athens Clark County. We're talking about what this tiny county, this is Georgia's smallest county, but uh, in some ways they are doing extraordinary lifting in a lot of things. So we'll talk about that. Suki, welcome back. Thanks. And Glad to be Andrew here. Lane over here in the corner, uh, our Energy Matters Sustainability Award for an individual winner, and he's done a lot of this stuff. So I asked him to sit in on this because he does have a lot of expertise in composting and recycling. He has a master's degree in sustainable solutions. Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you. Well, Suki, let me ask you about these numbers on the bottom of the bottles. There's a lot of confusion out there. Bottle of uh, plastic bottles, different plastics, you know, laundry detergent. There's so many plastics out there. What do all those numbers mean, and should I be paying attention to them if I have a recycle bin 
that's picked up by a trash company, say in Athens, Clark, or surrounding county? Uh, yes, plastics make me want to pull my hair out on a daily basis. But in the 80s, uh, plastic companies uh, kind of started greenwashing, uh, and they placed numbers on different resins of plastics. So there are one through seven. Seven's a catch-all. It's mixed plastics and even biodegradable plastics. But theoretically, every number corresponds to the chemical composition of the plastic that it's made from. Um, So number one is uh, PET, polyethylene. Um, Number two, high-density polyethylene and so forth. And really the easiest to recycle or the, the Plastics that have the most markets, we'll put it that way, are typically one and twos. Those are the most common in our stream, in the single-use stream, and they have the most in markets that will reuse them. So paying attention to the numbers is important, but I will say it's super confusing, very confusing, and it's just, it's muddied, it, it really started greenwashing and muddied the waters ever since it started in the 80s. Well, and Suki, we talked on the previous segment about how it's really important for people to reach out to their local government or their waste hauler or whoever it is that picks up their recycling to really understand what they can and can't recycle, right? And I live in in the city of Decatur, and for years, we used to be able to put everything except the sevens in the recycle bin. Well, I've happened to read something about a year ago that they're not able to take the three through six anymore. So we only do one and two indicator. I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't looked at it. But to your point, um, you know, that that changed. It was something that I, you know, we've had to change what we put in our recycling as a result. but it is sort of, it, it, it feels bad a little bit to not recycle some of those plastic containers that are the, you know, the fours, five, sixes, right? And for sure. No, it really does. That's why many states, I'm not saying this is the right answer, but many states right now are grappling with trying to reduce the amount of plastics made in the first place, which is really hard to to discuss with manufacturers. It's That kind of ship has sailed to some degree, but they really want to cut down on uh, single-use plastics. Not plastics in all applications, but single-use plastics, especially the three through sevens that don't have the recyclability that other plastics do. Yeah, so we're sitting here uh, talking about this, and Andrew Lane across the way is uh, is, is eating a little uh, a little snack here, but he's brought his own utensil. Because st- steel is real and lasts forever. Plastic, in Iraq and Afghanistan, we were eating on plastic. And this will break. Chick-fil-A may have done a good job. But the ones that we had over there would actually break just eating potatoes or peas. Um, and that could be your last meal in Iraq. You never know what might happen. I mean, today, this could be my last meal. You never know what might happen. But at the end of the day, this will last forever as long as I'm not thrown into a volcano. And wash it if it gets dirty. Steel, metal doesn't can't hold the... On its surface, it can hold viruses or bacteria, but you can quickly wash that or other chemicals will take it right on off and it will last forever. So, Andrew, do you carry utensils with you regularly? I do, I do because whenever I'm in a restaurant and they want to talk about this, I pull this out of my and usually clink it on the counter. The steel is real and I have uh, most of these I found on the road and wash them. Um, this one you can tell it came from the road. It's a little scuffed. Wait a second. You found it on the road and you yeah. washed it? Yeah, this one you can tell it got run over a few times. But I could take a pair of pliers and probably bend it back in so it's almost normal size. I mean, normal this, shape. this is so Casey, awesome. this is why he got the I was just going to say, it's why he got the He's picking up forks. 
He's washing them and he's reusing them. Yep. You're talking about sustainability because what would have happened to that fort, Casey, on the side of the road? I don't know. Maybe a, I, I'm just speculating here. Maybe a deer would have eaten it and decided to end up in a recycle bin. <laughs> <laughs> and it killed it. And then it exactly. called someone to have a car wreck. And, uh, yeah. So, okay, Suki, um, you know, you deal with a lot of folks here in Athens. And we've got a lot of very environmentally friendly people here at various stages in their right in their uh, in their green life but Andrew, I mean, this is good, isn't it? No, it he's is. awesome. He just pulled that out of his pocket, too. Just yeah. like right here, whipped yeah. whip the, the, the steel reusable cutlery right out I, of his pocket. I think, by the way, this is the most <laughs> solid argument that I've seen for cargo shorts ever. So yeah. Yeah. kudos to you, Andrew. Yeah, so he's wearing cargo <laughs> shorts, and he's got you know this silverware tucked into it. I mean, you were trained in the military. I guess you could use that fork as a weapon if you had to, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, anything anything that you can pick up and swing and, and impact or have a sharp edge. Yeah. This, this, is, this is a weapon. It might not be as effective, but in your eye, it would be. Yeah. Um, okay, wow. Well, Casey, it. maybe maybe we got to do some self-defense stuff. I, I was going to say. Wow. All right, let's get back to Suki because she's the, the star of this, of, this, uh, of this show today. Can Suki, I ask a question? Yeah. That I was just at the Atlanta Charm. I go there two, three times a week. They're only open three days a week because they take these, uh, and I will not use this. I will simply take it, it with me, and I will take it to the Atlanta Charm because I don't think I need to visit the Athens Charm today. But does the Athens Charm and, take and these? can we stop we, for just a moment for our listeners? Charm is the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials. They take weird, freaky things. I think I've read on Athens website after I moved away. They take motor oil, gasoline, paint, deer. tires. Uh, no deer today. No deer. Yeah. Okay. No, we haven't added that yeah. to the list How about the plastic fork? You take that <laughs> we don't Charm? Take, we do not take plastic forks at the Charm. We are taking, if it's biodegradable plastics, which cutlery can be made from, like potato starch, corn starch, that can be composted in our composting mm-hmm. program. Yeah. So yeah. theoretically... Some cutlery we would take at the Charm. We have compost drop-off sites, and the Charm happens to be one of our uh, about five free compost drop-off sites for residents. So just joining us, uh, that's Suki Jansen from Athens-Clark County, and she had, uh, Casey, she didn't have any notes when she whipped off that stuff about those numbers on the bottom of the bottle. Yeah, right? I mean, I so guess she's if you're got, working that. Yeah, she's, deal, got that, yeah. she's got that by heart. <laughs> We featured, uh, and they were nominated for an Energy Matters Award, Cox Enterprises owned a company called Nexus, and they do plastic pyrolysis, uh, and they wind up in with these big, they're not vats, they're really almost like silos out back that hold fuel, and they're holding this liquid plastic, and then these trucks from Exxon or Shell come and pick it up and make other plastics, but they were doing super hard to recycle plastics what they call poultry plastics some stuff that had like wrapped chickens or something like this and they were melting that stuff down putting it in liquid form would you consider that type of dealing with plastics a great way to deal with it because you can deal with the contaminants with that it is actually i visited that site i love when we have new energy and innovation when it comes to not putting things in the landfill it doesn't come without challenges uh, but i think they're doing a great site there they don't even have i think they even were so clean um, they didn't have to have their air like a traditional air permit so the site was awesome and yes this is one way to deal with some contamination because there are things that 
they can't take either. But it's the film plastics, ag plastics, film plastics are like plastic bags, shrink wrap. Shrink wrap. Um, those actually were all over the facility when I went there, and that was one of the feedstocks they use. They also have an energy bag program that I think Cobb County participates in that feeds uh, Nexus fuels there in Atlanta, and which now, is a great opportunity as well. Now for, the Atlanta Charm. That's, oh, that's, that must be where they're they, they started with? about six months or a year ago. Okay. They, they, they copied Keep Cobb County Beautiful, which I yeah. think brought it to Georgia. Correct. Well, Correct. just a couple more minutes left uh, with, with Suki. Uh, Suki, wh- what is ahead for this business that you're in, the collection business, the recycling, the composting, just in the last minute here, what what are you really looking forward to? Or are you are you shooting for? I still look forward to new ideas and innovation so we can put less in landfills. Unfortunately, across Georgia, we still heavily depend on landfills. And I just hope the future is different and we're not bearing as much material that has a value so that's what i'm looking for new innovations like nexus that can use things differently and i would just like to say i would love more people reducing and reusing those two r's are always ahead of recycle for a reason on the hierarchy epa's hierarchy i think more of us need to think about our purchases think about how we can reuse purchases and i certainly would love manufacturing facilities to look at their products from beginning to end and see how they impact disposal across the united states andrew last 30 seconds to you what are you looking forward to uh in terms of innovation for the future in this area I, I would also agree that that uh, I heard recently that a uh, it, it, they were on NPR and they said the disposal cutlery uh, cases that they that they had to buy it was a it wasn't a big chain like Chick Fil A, but it was a big mom and pop operation with I think a couple sister stores in their in their locale, and it was a it was like a dollar fifty for one person's to go stuff and I why not just buy stainless steel put some sort of a code on it so that that can just constantly come back um, and, and never need a new one unless it gets hit by a truck or throws into a volcano. Well, Casey, great great being reminded about how important this is. Oh, absolutely. It's it's great to be thinking about what we can do personally to reduce, to reuse, and then ultimately, if we need to, how to be you know a good recycler. Well, uh, when we come back, just a quick segment with my assistant, Faith Henning, the illustrator for my book, John Mark of Jekyll. A little preview of the book that'll be out as we'll be uh, on the coast this fall in a book tour so stick around Uh, we'll have some great information about my book so this is tim eccles you're listening to energy matters the electric car revolution is coming and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Logan Booker here, producer of Energy Matters, and I want to tell you about the Advanced Power Alliance. For more than 20 years now, the Advanced Power Alliance has been leading the energy transition in America's traditional energy states. They advocate for wind energy, solar power, and energy storage, all while partnering with traditional resources to ensure that America has abundant, affordable, cleaner energy to power our homes, our lives, as well as our economy. With the growth of solar and advanced storage and power generation technologies, every state now has the opportunity to be a leading energy state. 
Advanced Power Alliance is proud to partner with the Georgia Large Scale Solar Association and work with the Public Service Commission, Georgia Power, and their customers as Georgia continues to be one of America's leading renewable energy states. You can learn more about the Advanced Power Alliance at poweralliance.org. That's poweralliance.org. You've heard about Gem Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Gem Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Tim Eccles from Marlin Gas Services. In addition to supplying natural gas in emergency situations, Marlin Gas Services provides temporary fuel supply during planned pipeline maintenance and other scheduled outages, or to help customers meet code compliance. Customers include large companies, utilities, commercial businesses, industrial facilities, and even the Weston Hotel and Convention Center in Savannah when that pipe was busted under the Savannah River. Visit MarlinGas.com to learn more. That's MarlinGas.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back uh, for a third segment. Casey, first segment, second segment. We had Suki talking about composting and recycling. Very cool stuff. Yeah, really cool stuff to learn about. And um, we're taking a little bit of a trip away from Athens, Clark County in this segment, aren't we? Yeah, we're heading towards the coast. I've got my assistant, Faith Gunter Henting in the studio today. Faith, we've never had you on the radio. I know. I'm happy to be here. It's very exciting. Yeah. So Faith did the artwork for my book, John Mark of Jekyll. And Faith, you know I'm not an artist, but uh, <laughs> when you when you illustrate something like that, I mean, you had asked me a number of different questions. What, what are you thinking about as an illustrator? Yeah, so especially for the cover art, you're really trying to capture the essence of the book, right? Um, and you know, you you are covering years and years of John Mark's life in this book. And so um, we had to pick kind of a key um, event, kind of a defining event to illustrate for the cover. Yeah, so tell us about tell us about that event. Yeah, so we picked the snake bite event um, where John Mark and uh, his friend Vandy, um, are walking on the, with Ann Tracy Morgan. With Ann Tracy Morgan, They're, the three of them are taking a walk um, along the seafront. They walk back, sort of through the marsh area, and they come across a snake. Um, and Vandy is bitten by the snake, uh, which is obviously a critical medical emergency on an island. And um, it's a poisonous snake. And John Mark saves her life um, by sucking the venom out of her leg. And then um, Anne Tracy Morgan and John Mark help carry Vandy together back to the Jekyll Island Club. That carrying, them carrying Vandy, is what we chose to illustrate. Um, so we have the, the marsh um, of the island. We have the seafront in the background. And then we have the three of them on the road uh, coming back. And it just really... Um, illustrates the relationship that these three young people had and how unusual that was because Vandy um, is the descendant of slaves um, on those islands. And so for two young white people um, in that time to form a close relationship with um, a woman of color was so unusual um, and just really typifies the um, the the point of your book, the heart of your book. Yeah, Casey, the chapter before is called The Brilliant Vandy. And 
Vandy is a fictitious character. Anne Tracy Morgan obviously was a real ca- character. She was J.P. Morgan's daughter. She spent winters uh, on Jekyll Island, as did her father, who was arguably the most wealthy man in America mm-hmm. at the time as the Jekyll Island Club was formed in 1888. But I, I in this historical fiction book, I have this fictitious Gullah character having been raised on St. Catherine's Island, which was the uh, essentially the capital of the Freedmen's Nation or state uh, as set up by Sherman as he came through and issued Special Field Order 15, giving freed slaves 40 acres and a mule. We all heard of that, but we've never heard of St. Catherine's Island. We've never heard of Tunis Campbell, who was the governor of that we we that that two years of history between sherman coming through georgia and abraham lincoln being assassinated was a two-year period that most Georgians and I'll say most Americans know nothing about. Yeah, so uh, so you've got your book um, kind of drawing on some of that history, then, huh? Yeah, so I've got I've got you know the island which is owned by a German. Uh, I've got my Gullah character being raised there, learning to speak German, picking up a lot of German engineering acumen hmm. uh, as a as as a young girl growing up on the island, and really having the favor of the family that owned the island with them sending her to Howard, to Washington, D.C., to go to college. She comes back, and she is involved with perpetuating Tunis Campbell, who was a real character. He was a black Georgia state senator. He was convicted of malfeasance, I think trumped-up charges, and he was put on a chain gang. Oh, wow. A former state senator. I have her teaming up with this French immigrant, who's also a fictitious character, John Mark, hence the title John Mark of Jekyll, and together with John Mark's creativity and Vandy, having been trained at Howard, ha- knowing the islands, knowing the people, being you know from uh, a, you know a, a, a descended slave herself. Teaming up then with Anne Tracy Morgan, the daughter of the wealthiest man in America, accomplishing some incredible things. Sort of the melting pot idea, yeah. 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 So, so faith, we, you know, we had the snake bite happen, and there are certainly plenty of snakes on Jekyll Island. Uh, there's alligators. Uh, there's raccoons. There's deer, um, and we have them coming back and John Mark is this young man right he he's he comes here he's only 18 his parents had died again he's one of the fictitious characters the rest of the book 95% accurate uh, but we're seeing this through his eyes and he had heard about uh, these flathead Indians who uh, who suck poison out of wounds as long as they didn't have a cut in their mouth and and he in the moment decides to try this really putting his own life at at risk and as a result it cemented this relationship between the Gullah Geechee woman and and Tracy Morgan of course you know rich heiress uh, you know walking around on the island with you know her family and now uh, a little bit smitten with John Mark sees this and she really buys in on John Mark's compassion that he has for so many people yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that the real Anne Tracy Morgan um, was a woman of great philanthropy uh, in, later in her life, and she um, 
that you know this would have been very in keeping with her historical character. Yeah, she was made an honor, honorary member of the French Foreign Legion. I mean, mm-hmm. because she she moved to France, and I have her moving to France in the book because she she did in real life, and she got very involved in uh, in helping soldiers in World War One, uh, and the French recognized that. I mean, her family, uh, J. P. Morgan, uh, had gone to school, boarding school in Switzerland, had spent time in France, uh, had worked in uh, in London. So her dad, uh, J.P. Morgan, the richest man in America, had spent substantial time uh, in Europe. And we got her going to Europe. You kind of hope in the book maybe that they that they get married uh, because they, they have developed a special relationship. Uh, but in the end, uh, John Mark with what happens with him with the Morgan family as he moves to New York City uh, and goes to Columbia University, Casey, and mm-hmm. gets an engineering degree. And I, I researched what Columbia was offering at the time, who the president was, and John Mark winds up involved with this whole Westinghouse thing that was going on, which kind of brings in the oh, whole PSC. Oh, boy. Okay, so I, I was going to ask you, Tim, how you got inspired to write about this, but I get it now. This is the backstory to the Tesla versus <laughs> yes, Edison yes, yes. Uh, thing. And I actually have. It's, a, it's, it's the second to the last chapter of the book. Uh, I actually have John Mark run into a member of the Georgia Railroad Commission at the train station, <laughs> and you know who is one of my predecessors, right? Because the Public Service Commission was the Railroad Commission. So I actually bring in the Public Service Commission into the story. Oh boy, and I'm assuming that they go into depth on the integrated resource <laughs> no, planning process no. at that point. <laughs> that that word word yet, but no, they didn't go into any of that. It's just kind of a cameo. Uh, but I bring in, and I bring in all of this stuff about train travel and these Pullman cars that were kind of the trend back then. You wouldn't just buy a ticket on a Pullman car. You would rent an entire Pullman car, right? right? And your family would travel down on that. So we go into that. Uh, we, you know, we went into what was happening on all of these other islands, you know, like Cumberland, like Sapelo. Uh, uh, St. Simons, all the way up to Tybee. So there was a lot of activity happening uh, on those islands. Very cool. Well, I I actually have a a question for Faith on this. Being the illustrator, I think I've got it home. Did you do an illustration of the North Avenue tour that Tim did years ago? I did, So I've got that in my office. How did you get into illustrating? Like, you know, it's not something that I think of you necessarily, but clearly you've done it. Yeah, well, um, this is my first published illustration. Congratulations. Um, I've been an artist for many, many years. I, um, I'm self-taught. I've been drawing since I could hold a crayon um, and got into watercolor a few years ago. And yeah, the, the um, tour that we did, uh, the commissioner had me illustrate various stops along the way. Um, he's got a drawing a, or a watercolor of the lighthouse on Sapelo Island. Um, hanging in our office that I did when we did the uh, hog hammock project Mm. out there. Um, Actually did that drawing on the island, so that's pretty cool. Um, Hey, hey, I want to do this for our our listeners, uh, you know, with the book. Um, I would love to autograph you a copy of it, 
and uh, for you know for five dollars, which is what we're going to pay for the shipping of the book to you, we'd love to give you a book. Uh, and so, if you just send us an email, send it to me, Tim at timeckles.com, or send us a, a direct message uh, on Twitter at Matters Radio. Would love to send you a book and see what you think. Maybe maybe do a do a, a little review for us after you read it. And see what you see what you think. Well, Faith, thank you so much for being on the segment for illustrating the book, and I can't wait to see what some of the comments are. Absolutely, I'm happy to join you guys. Well, Casey, when we come back, uh, another uh, Energy Matters uh, award segment. So we'll look forward to presenting uh, yet another award. So thanks for all you do uh, to make this possible. Absolutely, good to be with you as always. All right, everyone, stick around. We've got an award presentation coming up. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Tim Eccles back. This is our last segment, and as we're doing for now some weeks and will be into the future, we are featuring the winners of the Energy Matters Sustainability Awards. And today I'm presenting the second award to the board of directors uh, of Hope Works. And it's really great to be with my friend Michael Kimsey here at their board meeting today. Yeah, thank you, Tim. We appreciate that. We feel real honored that you would select us or your team would select us for this uh, award. And for those of you uh, maybe that, had, that have not been following the Energy Matters Awards, we uh, recruited a a panel of judges. I'm not one of them, uh, so I've I've remained kind of uh, recused myself from that. Um, but these judges have gone through 18 different categories, uh, from best sustainability project by a government, by an institution, by a hospitality facility. Today, we're honoring you all with the best sustainability project for a nonprofit organization. Uh, so. I'm, I, I want to tell our audience a little bit about the different programs that you do, and we've worked together for years. Uh, and let's start at the beginning. When did this work, Hope Works, start? Well, actually, it was back in um, the ministry itself started in 1984. 
But our energy part of what we did started in 1992. Uh, Georgia Power gave us a grant to start an, an energy program for low-income seniors in the state of Georgia. And so uh, at that time, I was operations director, had no clue what I needed to do. I went to a local agency, got training, and began uh, this whole process of making these homes more energy efficient for uh, low-income senior homeowners here in the state of Georgia. Um, since that time, uh, we've literally uh, upgraded thousands of homes around Atlanta and now the state of Georgia. And then in uh, early 2000s, uh, we uh, began to work with, uh, of course, we've continued to work with the Public Service Commission, but Atlanta Gaslight as well, to do a gas furnace, gas water heater program for low-income seniors. And uh, it's it's a great program because it also provides for these low-income seniors who, who a lot of times don't have the funds to replace a furnace or water heater, an upgraded energy efficient unit, uh, which again also makes the house more energy efficient. Let's talk about these seniors just for a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm 61. I'm not quite there yet for the senior discount, but there are a lot of people who, you know, who become, uh, you know, they find themselves in old age, maybe their spouse dies, they're living on a, a single social security income, they've still got a house, things are breaking and they don't have the money to fix it uh and i mean we have this with hot water heaters we have this with furnaces but sometimes not only can this be a hardship but it can actually be dangerous yeah it can uh especially when you've got a low-income senior whose furnace goes out they have no way to heat their home in the winter time what do they do well, there's that gas stove over there, so many of them just cut the stove on, open the door to try to get some kind of heat because they can't afford a furnace. And that's extremely dangerous because of the carbon monoxide coming in the home. And then if a gas water heater goes out, these same seniors, a lot of them can't, uh, can't afford a new water heater. You know, it's maybe $1,500 to replace it. So what do they do? They start heating water on the stove, carrying big pots of water. I hear stories all the time about this. And sometimes for years at a time before uh, they actually can get a new water heater. So it's extremely dangerous for them. Back in 1997, Georgia deregulated its gas business. Your program started a little bit before that. And through this deregulation process, a number of things happened. But one of them was that a universal service fund was created. And the Public Service Commission, uh, and I'm one of the five commissioners, has authority over that fund. Uh, and we can either return it to ratepayers, which we've done before. We can, uh, we can add new pipeline, which we've done plenty of, um, because that, that just grows economic development. And we can also provide programs that help low-income people with, uh, with either paying an energy bill or doing something like fixing a hot water heater or a furnace. So this, this has been an unusual blessing Mike, uh, because uh, because who would have thought that so many good things could have come from just an otherwise almost routine government public policy change? That's correct. And my hat's off to the commission and specifically you, Tim, for helping out because, I mean, this could have been a very generic type of, of program where it's just for pipeline, but the commission saw fit 
to put in there to take care of these low-income seniors, which has been a tremendous blessing for so many people. I wish I could tell you the stories of people's lives that have literally been changed. You know, for people that have money, a furnace goes out, they get on the phone, they make a phone call, and, uh, you know, somebody comes out and replaces it. For a low-income senior, they're in desperation. They don't know what to do. And so this, this program, because of the PSC and because of this program, is able to literally change the lives of these, these seniors. There's a lot of great ideas going out there in sustainability, but I think the judges really chose your program because you guys have been doing it for, for so long. In a way, your program is sustainable because it has survived different commissions, different governors. Uh, you've gone through all kind of difficulties and you've expanded it, right? I was living in Grant Park myself in 19. 19- 82 and 83, having just graduated from college, I was working at Beaudry Ford and serving as the youth pastor on, on, in the evenings and on the weekend at Park Avenue Baptist, which fronts Grant Park. So I lived on Waldo in one of those old dumpy houses that the church rented for me that didn't have any kind of energy efficiency, didn't have an air condition. Uh, and when you have old housing stock like that, Wow, it just gobbles up energy. It really does. And that's the beauty of these two programs, the Georgia Power Energy Efficiency Program. We're able to come in and make the house more energy efficient. And what that equates to for these seniors is literally money in their pockets. Because uh, the less energy efficient a home is, the more the energy goes to the outside. But now they're able to save more money, which they can use to pay for food, and food is going up a lot these days, medical, uh, medicine, those type of things. So it's, it's really good, and it, and it helps to improve the housing stock here in Atlanta and around the state of Georgia. Maybe you're just joining us. I'm talking to Michael Kempsey with HopeWorks. You guys know I have a master's in nonprofit organizations. I started a national youth program called Teen Pack. It's in all 50 states. I help nonprofits, not just Michael's, but many. Michael, when a nonprofit goes into a house, when a ministry goes into a house to do a job, I've always said it's way better than government going because nonprofits have a heart. Has there been instances when you've gone in to do one thing, maybe that hot water heater or the furnace, and you've seen other things that you simply could not walk away from that you had to take care of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to, just to let you know, when we go into these homes, of course, now we are ministry as well. And as we're administering these programs and go in there, uh, some, some simple things as we might go in for a water heater and see the furnace needs to be replaced or it hadn't been weatherized. But beyond that, you know, uh, we've got homeowners that need roofing. We've got homeowners that need plumbing. We've got homeowners that have family situations that sometimes we have to intervene and help with. But the good thing about HopeWorks is we have a network of other agencies that we work with around the state. And so what we can't do, we refer to other agencies and what they can't do, they refer to us. And so we, we kind of see what we do is more than just just managing a program. We're interested in the lives of these seniors very much. Uh, and they're, they're, that's the reason why we do what we do is because we care about seniors. If you're just tuning in, this is our final segment today, and we're doing the Energy Matters Awards in the final segment of our show. And today I'm with Michael Kimsey of HopeWorks. I'm actually at their board meeting about to present 
a beautiful painting. And Michael, you got to pick this out out of all the different YKK prints that they had commissioned. But this one's special to you. Why is that? Yeah, it is. It's very special to me, actually. Um, when uh, my wife and I were looking through the paintings, uh, when we saw Christ Church on St. Simon's Island, that's where my grandfather's buried, my grandmother's buried, my uncle is buried, one of my cousins is buried there, and there's memorials to my aunt, one of my aunts and uncles, and to my mom herself down there. So as soon as I saw that, Tim, I knew that's the one I have to have. Well, Jim Reed, the CEO for YKK, he is going to be very touched. Uh, and I know that it just had to be overwhelming to you as you thought about uh, about your heritage. Just the final minute here, your grandfather uh, worked on some of the islands in Georgia, didn't he? That's correct. The one that's buried there, uh, his name is Olaf Olson, and uh, he actually, uh, him and uh, my uncle had a boat yard on St. Simons and Jekyll, and um, he worked for the Candlers down on Cumberland Island. He was the caretaker for the northern end, and so as a young child, I'd go down there. He would drive the boat over, uh, of course, with the Candlers loaded up with Coca-Colas in the back, but uh, we, we would have a great time with him down there. He knew all the good fishing spots down on Cumberland, so uh, a lot of good memories uh, uh, being with him and the family down there. Well, I just want to say congratulations for a job well done. And I know you don't do this for for earthly accolades, but it's only appropriate that we recognize you and congratulate you for this great work. So, so just on behalf of all of our judges and our show, great job in serving Georgians. Well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate that so much. Thank, thanks to the PSC. Thank to you and uh, to all the judges. We really do consider this an honor. Hey, you've been listening to Energy Matters, another award coming up next week. I hope you have a great weekend. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.